0: Yeah, yeah, old school. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, this ain't for everybody. some of y'all need to hear this. I know you in the trenches fighting, but check it out. I'm going to put it down like this so I can help you saints understand. Everything you're going through is all part of the master plan. Or what? You thought because you got saved everything was going to be peaches and cream? You better wake up, son. Don't nothing come to your sleep a what dream. our word is there. Read your Bible. You know what it says. Don't work, don't eat Blackers don't get fed huh? Yeah, Jesus said He who puts his hands to the plow Looks back the same, makes fit Some of y'all ain't been in the kitchen Five minutes and you about ready to quit I ain't mad at ya, I'm just hitting you with the real huh? If you died for me I was still tripping Now how you think that make you feel Check this out these gay, This is his deep huh? Some of y'all ain't sawing nothing But your are started trying to reach huh? But after him who's able to possess your father By his glory Struggle might be part of your testimony But it ain't the end of the story Now upon his proper prophesied Way back in the day Quiet, sing your hook right here And see if the church can Late. I know
1: we can make oh, it, oh can make it, I know good I can work it he'll out. And out he yes, work it out, work it out, yeah He'll work it out, oh, I know we can make it, we
0: can make it, oh, I know good well. I can work it out, but yes he can, yes we yes, can. Can. Yes, can. Yes, can, yeah So you're not playing the fiery prophet of the tribe you, you say why you, but your shirt say what would Jesus do? Why you asking if he ain't trying to do what he's saying, huh? He told you he was going to have tribulations, but you thought he was playing, huh? One minute you tell her how good God is and can't nobody bitch you talk. The next minute you back fight so fast, i like you're moonwalking, huh? Oh, yeah, i bitch it to myself because I ain't no better, It ain't like I've been following his every word, obeying it to the letter. But we told us we got to remember that, regroup, stay on point, hey, yeah. Bow down, confess, repent, stay humble, let him annoy, huh? It ain't easy as I thought it was, I'd be lying if I told you that. But it showed up getting better all the time, trust me, that's the fact. Ain't never we going through the can't be handled, God put that on his tongue. Like they say, you can shout now if you want to Cause the battle's already won So while you're going through the valley, don't even show You're gonna be on top Quiet in the hook line, no more games. Just time you don't stop I know we can
2: Welcome, welcome, everyone. This is your host Lamont Patterson. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. We definitely, definitely appreciate it. We know you could be somewhere doing something else with your time, but in actuality, I'm going to say this is where you really need to be. (laughs) All right, uh, I'd like to say right here, right now, if you have anything that's happening in your life that could help motivate, stimulate on a positive note, that could really help the people in this world in which we live We'd like to hear about it Hit us up, our office number is 323-957-7322 Now, with that being said, we're going to jump into it We're going to get right into it We've got a fantastic show lined up for you um, We're definitely talking about current stuff Stuff that's going on with everybody, everybody out there No matter where you are, where you may be This thing is touching you Definitely, definitely. So let us see, let me see, let all of us see, is our guest with us, Mr. Bart Edison? Are you with us, sir?
3: Lamont, I am with you. Can you hear me okay? okay.
2: Yes, sir. I can hear you loud and clear. And, and thank you so much for joining us, man. We're very, very excited. We know you got a whole bunch of, of information to, to share with our listeners, man. And, and I would encourage everybody right now, sit down somewhere um get your note out, pencil, pad, laptop, you know, so you can take down some of this information that I guess is going to be sharing with you. Because that's what I'm doing, even though we're going to replay the show over and over again. And if you didn't get it, you're going to get it. Bart, I'm sorry for really on, man, but I'm so excited to have you on the show because I know this is what everybody's talking about right today.
3: Lamont, you're too kind. And I would bet that I'm twice as excited about being on your show. <laughs>
2: Oh, wow. Well, I guess we're too excited. We're too excited, gentlemen, everybody, so, you know, if we stumble <laughs> on something, please don't hold us accountable, right. you know what I'm saying? It's just adrenaline right. running. But uh, uh, Mr. Eddis, he's a policy analyst, commentator, and author of Learning from Tomorrow, Using Strategic Foresight to Prepare for the Next Disruption, like right now. Um, he studied the rise of Asian innovation, sustainable development goals, and transformative trends reshaping the world since 2020. He's also served as a non-resident senior associate at the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington, D.C., and was named a Distinguished Fellow at the Asian Pacific Foundation of Canada in January this year, 2020. All right. In May of this year, he joined facility, the faculty, I'm sorry, McGill University as a professor of practice. That's that excitement jumping out, uh, Bart.
3: <laughs> yeah, Lamont, I'm, uh, thank you for that intro. Uh, I'm speaking with you and, and those uh, who have joined us today from Montreal, north of the border in French Canada, uh, and it's, it's a real pleasure uh, to launch into uh, uh, an exploration of some, some big ideas in the midst of this pandemic and, and maybe offer a couple of ideas on, on how we might come out of it in a better place than when we went went into it.
2: Right. That's great. And for those that don't know, what we're speaking on is how COVID nineteen's changed our lives for good. Um we're gonna go down that road first. So let's let's start let's start there. Um Bart?
3: What COVID has changed in our lives, my goodness, and, uh, you know, we witnessed it firsthand, and everybody has experienced it in a different way. Um, in North America, you know, there's been a lot of suffering, and it's been disproportionately, you know, disadvantaged, marginalized, poor groups who have suffered the most. Uh, the elderly, uh, you know, especially in the early stages of the pandemic. So it's, it's been a tough time, and then economically, you know, in the labor market, a lot of people have lost their jobs. What I do, Lamont, is I spend a lot of time looking at big trends. And um, after we get through this difficult period, I'm looking ahead to to what's going to happen next. Uh, what are what are uh, some of the things that are going to stick around after COVID um, and what might be different? And I'll throw a few provocative ideas at you just to start uh, and see where you want to go with the conversation. Um, but uh, just, just a few thoughts on uh, things that uh, – went away in the last 16 months uh, and aren't likely to come back or if they do come back uh, maybe not in the same full force so an example i would say is is companies big corporations that are ambivalent about sustainability and work-life balance i think companies uh, have to take on more responsibility care more about their staff and realize a lot of them are burnt out and have been working from home, and that's been both good and bad. But on the good side, they've appreciated the flexibility and time with life. So companies that are kind of indifferent to work-life balance or to important sustainable you know, issues like the environment, health, and, um, and social justice, it's going to be harder to, to not act in these areas. And that's that's just one example. I'll give you a couple other quick ones, maybe less, less serious, but uh, movie theaters. You know, there's been a long-term trend in the the U.S. uh, where cinemas have been closing. And in COVID, obviously, a lot of them shut down, at least temporarily. But not all of them are going to come back because we got into the habit of streaming. And, yeah, sure, some of us uh, will go back to the movie, you know, for old times' sake. But it's not going to be like before. Um, Neighborhood mailboxes just one other thing that we were familiar with for the last many years. Uh, Those have started to disappear with greater frequency during the pandemic. And a lot of those aren't coming back. So a lot of little things are going to change and some bigger things, like fertility. I'll just end on that note for the moment. Uh, We've seen a constant decline in the birth rate in the last six years in the U.S. And last year, for as long as records have been kept, we hit the lowest level ever. And so we may not see a bounce back to to birth rates of of previous times as people worry about, you know will we see another pandemic or another big disruption that uh, could make life life difficult if we've got family? Let me just pause there and, and uh, see what you're thinking. Uh, wow.
2: Well, I'm thinking kind of like all over the place, and I think one thought that's jumped out of my mind is uh, in regards to this pandemic, uh, based on some of the things that we know that's occurred in history, um, why did it seem like this country or this government was so ill-prepared?
3: Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to be asking ourselves that question uh, for a long time. And it's clear that that the government at all levels wasn't prepared. And you could say that about, uh, you know, authorities, leaders in in most countries around the world. And it wasn't a surprise completely that we were going to have pandemics, okay? Uh, You have these epidemiologists, uh, health experts who for years have been warning of the possibility of a pandemic, Bill Gates, who likes to talk on big issues, he gave a TED Talk a few years ago and warned we're going to see a pandemic. And in the area, one of the areas I specialize in called strategic foresight, which is about trying to understand where the future might uh, go, Uh, there was a study came out 11 years ago, sponsored by the Rockefeller Foundation, where they outlined some possible scenarios for the future. And one of them was a global pandemic. That would see governments introducing all kinds of restrictions, including on travel, that there'd be more government surveillance, and that China would come out of the crisis uh, better than most other countries. That was out of a foresight study done 11 years ago, and then we saw a lot of that come true in 2020 and 2021. So to get to your question, uh, we, we could have known it was coming, even if we didn't know the, the, the date or the month or the exact year. Why weren't we more prepared? I guess the short answer. There's a longer one, but the short answer is, uh, <laughs> a lot of us, a lot of us are kind of creatures of, of the moment. We have a lot going on in our lives, right? You know, we're taking care of our family and our job and, and aspirations for, for learning and growth, and um, and it's and there's so many you know risks before us, just getting across the street, you know, or other challenges we face, and and it's a bit overwhelming when we don't have a particular date in mind that a pandemic may strike in the future, how do you get prepared for something like that? Wrap your head around it. Um, and uh, it, whether it's in the business community or government or society more generally, uh, we sometimes have difficulty in, in preparing for changes that uh, we're not entirely sure or disruption. We're not sure when they're going to hit, if they're going to hit. In this case, it was a pretty good idea it was going to. And I can tell you, Lamont, it's going to happen again. I can't tell you when, but there will be other pandemics. They may be more or less severe. Hopefully, less. And hopefully, one of the lessons we gain out of this crisis is that we need to do better preparation. Uh, we need to be ready to pounce uh, and put in place measures to uh, to, to limit its spread and, and get it under control.
2: But unfortunately, um, I don't think they got the memo right now. Still. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I mean, because if you look at what's happening right now, it's um, going out there with this new Delta variant. I still don't think they got the memo. Yeah, so, yeah. It's kind
1: of,
3: yeah. it's kind of scary. On, you know, it's kind of long. scary
2: when you think about it.
3: Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of the U.S. has kind of gotten back to uh, you know life uh, similar to the way it was in the what I like to call the before times, you know, before March of right. twenty twenty where we walked around mask-free and did what we did. Uh, But the fact is only about half of the population in the U.S. is vaccinated. And there's there's now a problem of of vaccine hesitancy. So people, for whatever reason, they're reluctant to get it. And that is allowing this Delta variant uh, to spread. And the number of COVID cases in America right now is rising, not falling. So today I can tell you, there's about 31,000 cases a day. Seven days ago, 18,000. 14 days ago, 14,000. And about three weeks ago, we were seeing two, uh, 11,000 cases a day. So from 11,000 cases a day, 21 days ago, we're now at 31,000. And it's just as you say to myself, the spread of this Delta variant, um, and it's, it's challenging a return to something resembling normal. <laughs> yep, I can see it. They didn't
2: get the memo, and the ones that did is really not taking this serious. And yeah. uh, we're going to be right. Ba- we're going to be right back where we were a few months ago, um, if not worse, actually.
3: Yeah. So well, the so, tragedy is, you know, again, what I was saying at the outset: it, the people who suffer the most from this are, are those, you know, with, with the fewest means, you know, to, to to deal with it. These are. Uh, you know, people struggling in, in, in jobs, maybe low-paying jobs without job security, um, and communities that uh, have been hard hit. Uh, it's, it, if you've got – if you're flush with cash, you don't – you know, you find a way to, to, to work your way out of most any problem. Um, and so there's a great – what I'm saying is there's uh, the, the inequality that uh, existed in the U.S. before the pandemic – it was made worse by this pandemic, and the longer it goes on, uh, it's poorer communities that are going to suffer more, and that's that's just awful.
2: Yeah, it is, and unfortunately, I don't know, man, I hate to say, sound like I'm uh, anti-government, but it seems like the powers that be uh, aren't really thinking uh, beyond their playground. I mean, they say they are, but it doesn't really seem like it. Because, like you just mentioned, you know the people in those uh,
3: areas—they're going to suffer the worst. And there's no way around it. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't want to—I don't want to make this whole hour a real downer for those who are tuned in. <laughs> what we're saying is what we're seeing, right? You and I are seeing basically the same story, exactly. And kind of pretty ones, And there's exactly. been a failure of leadership. And, and-
2: and, and just to, to ride tail a gate on what you just said, you know, uh, it, it, if you want to be lied to, this is really not the show for you guys, you know, and, you know, I, I take pride and <laughs> the guests that we bring on in the show to be informative, straightforward, and, and give you guys real stuff, you know, and. You know, if you think the truth hurts, I'm sorry. That's not what we're trying to do. We're just trying to give you really food for thought, so you can go forward with your eyes wide open, not wide shut. So yeah. I just had to say that, Barbara. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so well, let's, um, talk about yeah.
2: let's talk about your book. Let's talk about your book a little bit, and then we can okay. go forward. And, and hopefully, uh, some of our listeners, if you have any questions or if you got any comments or would you like to join the conversation, please. Feel free to dial 646-929-2870. Press number one on your phone, and we'll be glad to let you jump in. All right. I'm loving the conversation, Bart.
3: Well, so am I, Lamont, and, and thank you for flagging my new book. It's, uh, it's called Learning from Tomorrow, Using Strategic Foresight to Prepare for the Next Big Disruption. And it's part of a series of books that uh was published by a fellow you just recently had on just one more in the long series of really smart stimulating uh people with some provocative ideas that you bring onto your show and i'm talking in this case about tim ward uh yep. of ChangeMakers books and and he put together a series of books uh, trying to point a way uh forward where we could start to develop a, a better world um you know, a more socially just world uh, where an, uh, the economy wasn't just uh, working or primarily working for those, uh, you know, in the 1% uh, the, the, the and also um, addressing major environmental uh, issues and challenges, whether it be, you know, ec- excessive uh, g- consumption by uh, consumers or, or climate change. And so series of, of generally short books right to the point with some clear ideas to, to try and generate some action. And so, I was very fortunate to be invited to contribute here and, and basically what my book's about is this, this concept of, of strategic foresight um, and basically foresight is is a it's a way of uh, a structured and systematic way of using ideas about the future to anticipate and better prepare for change It's, it's really about exploring different plausible futures and the opportunities and risks. That they could introduce, and so using these these tools and methodologies of foresight, we can use the ideas generated through the process to make better decisions and to take action, and we can ultimately, you know, envision a preferred future. Where, what do we want to move toward? Um, and generally, foresight is used by different organizations. Some businesses use it, governments, uh, other organizations, and they they use it. In circumstances of, of, of great change, of volatility, of uncertainty, and and trying to get an idea of what's going to happen in about ten years or more, so it's it's not for next quarter or next month. Uh, it's it's a set of tools you're using to try and get an idea what are plausible futures ten years on, uh, and and looking then at what 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 are some of these negative potential futures we want to avoid, and what are some of the good ones that. We want to work toward, and in a nutshell, that's what it's about. Um, about one out of four uh, Fortune 500 companies have in-house capacity doing foresight work. Uh, an increasing number of U.S. government agencies are using it, uh, and uh, there are um, universities um, that are teaching it, like the University of Houston has a, a degree program in strategic foresight. And because of the shock of the pandemic and people were looking around it, uh, the, the changes that we, we experienced in such a quick time, uh, and, and we're concerned, are concerned about what comes next. Uh, there's been a lot of, uh, new interest, uh, in, in this multidisciplinary approach to, to addressing the future.
2: You know, uh, Bart, again, boy, you got my mind jumping all over the place. Um, You touched on uh, the next question, which was just book for it, but actually it sounds like it's for everybody. And what I'm hearing, Bart, too, is that these companies and these corporations, they're thinking about what could happen uh, in the future and one way or the other. And it seemed like that's almost like a common-sense approach. If you're running a business, wouldn't you want to, like, Uh, use something uh, like you're doing. And I like the systematic approach and maybe everybody really, really need to gravitate toward that part, you know, because as a business owner now, I'm always thinking about where I'm going to be in the future and what could or could not happen and what's been happening in the past that I don't want to see repeated regardless. I mean, does that make any sense?
3: Yeah, it makes great sense, Lamont. And you're you're running a successful ongoing business, so you obviously have to be thinking about what could come next, uh, uh, good and bad. I guess the, the the nuance about foresight is it goes beyond what a lot of businesses use regularly. So they, especially bigger companies, they have their whole teams looking at risk management, and they're obviously doing forecasting. So like, what are our sales going to be next quarter, or you know what might be a product uh, we consider rolling out in two or three years. Tim, you, but not all Tim, you, men-
2: Tim, you yeah. mentioned something right there. The the you mentioned forecasting, and I think that's what I kind of lost too uh, in what I was trying to explain. But forecasting yeah. with thinking about the future using your tools, kind of, do they kind of go yeah. hand in hand?
3: They sure do. They sure do. And actually, forecasting is similar to. And complementary to foresight, which is what I'm talking about, the difference is right. forecasting tends to be more of a shorter-term thing. Uh, you can take it a few years ahead, but it's often like, you know, the weather service is trying to forecast uh, the weather tomorrow and next week. Uh, um, the, you know, the, the, the company, a the big corporation talking to its shareholders, they're predicting uh, what their profit margin will be, uh, you know, in a couple of quarters. Um, governments are trying to assess. Okay, what's water usage going to be like next year, or enrollment in school? Uh, and forecasting tends to rely on historical data uh, and, and current numbers. So it, it kind of projects; it uh, extrapolates from what we've already seen historically. Whereas foresight, it does not aim for precision. There's not there's no a single prediction with numbers. It's more. Uh, coming up with scenarios, a handful of scenarios of uh, where things might go, again, with a longer time frame, typically, not always, but typically a decade uh, on. And so you're not going to find numbers in the way of a specific prediction, but a scenario that um, can alert you uh, to opportunities and risks and what you should be preparing for in a scenario like a pandemic.
2: And you you explained that so very well, man. I'm so excited to have you here. So, so Bart, what do you think? What what new habits uh, that people adopted during the pandemic that you think is going to stick with us?
3: Well, uh, I'll be also interested in your take on this, Lamont, because, uh, you know, a lot of us in in these times have been doing a little bit of self-reflection. We've had a little time to contemplate, uh, um, especially in the lockdown period, you know, where are we in life? What do we value? You know, the things that are important to us. Um, So, you know, among the things that I think went away, and I'll tell you about things that are going to stay. I had mentioned about, you know, movie theaters, you know, not disappearing completely, but uh, kind of a down, a continuing downward climb, or fall, I should say, uh,
2: neighborhood mailboxes. Yeah, but, I, I, remember, uh, I, remember dri- I remember drive-in theaters it used to be everywhere.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, they got a little bit of a boost in some places because it was outdoors, uh, and some places were allowing them uh, during covid uh, as long as people were spaced out, socially distanced. But yeah, it's, I, I don't see those making a big comeback. But look, um, you know, before the pandemic, the assumption was that if you're an office worker, and let's keep in mind, not everybody works in an office, but there's a part of the population that does, there's this sort of this assumption. Okay. You're, you get up in the morning, you have your coffee and you drive or you know, hop the train or bus, depending on where you are. Then you go to the office, right? Well, that assumption is gone. Okay. Because, We have been working from home, again, office workers, those who can't, necessarily those in the front line serving food, delivering haircuts, health care, whatever. But for those going to office, we're not all going back uh, in September after Labor Day, right? Um, There are going to be new hybrid arrangements, and I could could talk at length about that. I won't for the moment, but just to say this assumption that office workers work in the office, that's gone. Um, Long, pointless meetings. I'm hoping this is a bit aspirational that those are mostly gone, because people had a little less patience on Zoom meetings tended to be shorter. They also tended often to be more participatory; more people could join in, and so it's going to be hard to get people to sit through two-hour meetings where there's a lot of blah blah and they're not well organized. <laughs> yeah. Something else, You're right? So- right? People be sitting up there uh, doing the meeting, sleep. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, something else. I think we're we're done with the. Uh, is education and training without a digital component so i'm not saying we're all going to be studying online whether it's you know primary or secondary education university or post-secondary whatever but it's it's going to be hard to get away from a digital component so um even as you know, most schools go back in uh, september they go back to school in north america at least uh, you can expect that uh the experience with with Zoom and, and with uh, internet and with uh, you know, all kinds of other tools, including uh, um, uh, virtual reality. Uh, we're going to see more digital components uh, in education and training. And maybe one other thing, uh, just about what's what's disappearing, not coming back. I'd say business travel. Okay, again, it's not it's not black and white, but um, it's we're going to see. Right now, it's going to take a while to get back anywhere near to the levels before because businesses uh, realized how much they could get done virtually and right. if, you know if you want to travel like to a conference or something that's in person you're gonna to have to make a pretty big case because that's a big part of a company's budget so some firms where they absolutely need to have interaction for sales or what have you okay they're gonna encourage some people to go out on the road but I think a lot of organizations are gonna cut back on business travel
2: yeah It all goes back to that bottom line—the dollar, how it's
3: spent, where it's spent. Well, and you—you know—you were asking also about so what—what kinds of things are going to stick around? Uh, And I gave a hint of that with the—the digital component of education and training, Uh, telehealth. You know, we had the tools to do telehealth beforehand, but we were all accustomed to uh, going to the doctor if we had adequate coverage. You know, uh, that's a whole other issue of lack of healthcare for many Americans but uh, you know for those who had it they'd go see their doctor and then in covid times we had to work remotely right it was either over the phone or over zoom or similar well okay we're going to start going back to doctors offices but it's not going to be like before there's going to be a lot more use of telehealth and there's pros and cons to that but it's it's sticking with us in part because doctors like it you know whether they're billing whether they're doing telehealth which is easier moving from one patient to the next and um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's easier for the the work their way through a call in some ways. Um, they're, they're content with that and, uh, uh, health providers are content with it. And, and many people, you know, they've gotten more used to it. Sometimes they really want to see a doctor, but other times, you know, you don't have to, you know, trudge across town and, and wait in a waiting room with people coughing. Uh, there are some advantages to telehealth. So that's, that's going to stick with us. Um, and, you know, I want to try and focus on the positive, My My whole interest in in strategic foresight and and kind of future thinking is there's a lot of dark scenarios, but I'm focusing on what what can be some of the positive things. And just talking about health a little bit, you know, and and thinking beyond the U.S. borders, we've seen uh, drones being used more and more um, uh, to deliver medicine uh, and to provide patient sampling in in areas, for example, in African countries in, in rural areas without access to hospitals. Uh, and this took off uh, during the pandemic. And, and that kind of positive development where we're using technology to help um, address health needs, this is something that's going to ramp up. Uh, and that's something that really gives me um, something um, you know, to be happy about, to be cheered, that you know, human ingenuity and, and using technology for, uh, for good.
2: I had a question, man. It was kind of off the cuff, though, maybe beyond another page. But I was just wondering, you know, in regards to water in some of these foreign countries and stuff, um, with all the things that we see on TV in terms of bad water, I was just wondering, you know, we have the technology, there's desalinization, uh, facilities on ships. You know, uh, I'm wondering, why is it such a big problem
3: to get clean water to some of these places? Yeah. Um, that's a, there's a whole host of issues there. And it's, it's, uh, it's a question that's kind of near and dear to me, Lamont, because although I'm talking to you from, from uh, a part of Canada that has a lot of water, I mean, it produces, we produce a lot of hydropower here, right? So the energy that I'm using to charge my phone to speak with you today is renewable energy. And that's something else that excites me, but not every part of the world has that. And you were really getting at drinking water. Well, my roots were in the desert. Of Arizona. That's where I spent my youth. And in time since I left Arizona uh, and, uh, you know, the Southwest more generally, water crises have become more severe. Okay. So in that part of the world, um, you know, you've had so much water uh, being used by these large farms and not always very efficiently. So they've, uh, you know, the, the Colorado River in some places is, is a trickle. So uh, it, you know, part of it is the geography and the weather, the, the climate, well, you, you have you know you have issues of, of water access. Um, climate change is beginning to have an impact. We're talking about clean water. Uh, where you have, for example, in, in South Asia and in, in Nepal, countries that have um, uh, there are uh, there, there are ice caps um, and glaciers. Uh, those are fading, and so you don't get the same kind of runoff and access to water. Now, in other places where you have lots of water, but it's not clean, and this may have been what you were getting at. Why? Why can't we provide clean water? Um, yeah, from salt. A lot of salt water, because
2: like, like the navy ships, the military vessels, you know, they yeah. doing, they're using salt yeah. water. They're cleaning it.
3: Yeah, and something like seventy percent of our planet is water. So what's the problem? You know, you're, and, and a lot of the world, a lot of the world, lives within you know, say fifty miles of, of a coastline near water. Well, uh, the short answer is. Uh, it's those desalination um, exercise um, initiatives and projects, it's very expensive. You can do it. Countries are doing it. You say militaries are doing it. That's right. Uh, But it's really, really expensive. So it's no problem for Saudi Arabia with its oil riches to have desalination plants, right? Uh, Singapore, one of the wealthiest countries in Asia, they're doing desalination, right? And they're also taking um, sewer water and they're cleaning it and turning it back into drinking water. So um, it's the tech look. Short answer is the technology is there. It's um, nice. it's where where is the market for it? Can the market do it? The private sector and where the private sector can't or won't do it, is there? Uh, is government going to step in and do it? And then you can ask yourself the bigger question, Lamont: Is you know what what <laughs> inspires government to action? Who are the who, exactly. who influences government? Who yeah. right? You know, is it is it the poor people yeah. without access to water or anyway, I'll just dot, dot, dot. You get where I'm going.
2: <laughs> I think everybody with a portion of a brain can figure out the rest of that oh. one. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, so, so Mark, so Mark yeah, you ahead. spent uh, uh, a lot of time in, in Asia. Uh, tell us about that.
3: Yeah, you know, this has been really formative in my life experience that I mentioned a couple of places where I'm living or grew up, but I I spent most of the last two decades in Southeast Asia uh, in the Philippines. Okay. Um, And uh, which among other things, exports a lot of people. Uh, There are a lot of uh, Filipino Americans, uh, a lot of Filipino Canadians uh, who have moved over time. Um, And it's uh, I had a fascinating experience there. I was working for uh, an international development agency that was working not just in the Philippines but across developing Asia. And actually my experience working in that continent um, was a big stimulant, I think, for my interest in foresight and and wondering about what the future might bring because Asia, in the time that uh, I, I was out there, was going through one of the most dramatic transformations the world has ever seen, social, technological Economic massive transformation, fast-growing economies, uh, the poverty rate was declining substantially, uh, growing middle classes, people were getting on airplanes and flying to other countries, whereas before that was an aspiration they couldn't dream of. Um, so just it's you know we talk when we think about Asia a lot of times the talk centers around China because it's it's the big influential you know it's a new it's a superpower right, um, right. And, but there's so much more to the region including uh, countries of Southeast Asia. So there I include not just the Philippines and Singapore, but countries like Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia, Vietnam. And those 10 countries that form uh, what's called ASEAN, it's a, it's a collective of Southeast Asian countries, their economy, their collective economy, uh, which is becoming more integrated, is going to be the fourth largest in the world by 2030. So we're talking a part of the world that is becoming much more uh, economically um, important, uh, you know, in terms of geopolitics, you know, the U S Japan, and China are jostling for influence in that part of the world. And uh, you've got startup companies. Um, There was there was one uh, out of Malaysia uh, that, Oh, maybe about 15 years ago, uh, they started as a, as a ride hailing app um, called grab. Uh, It started in in Malaysia and uh, in April of this year, uh it announced that it was uh through um you know I- investments and, and and fundraising they were about to become a 40 billion dollar company uh they've become so huge there's a there's a great story i i enjoy i have to say every once in a while in moderation i enjoy a little bit of single malt okay i i admit that right um and uh the, the part of the world that's famous for single malt is scotland and so there's a there's a, uh, one of the many distilleries there is called Jura. It was set up in 1810 by the Scots. It is today wow. owned by a holding company that is Filipino. Okay? So what I'm trying to convey to you, Lamont, is that um, Asia's influence in the world is growing dramatically. I'm just talking about the economic side. We could talk about entertainment and culture from movies to K-pop. You know, we've been buying Japanese cars and Korean cars for years. And that kind of influence in America is going to continue to increase in the years ahead. Um and so that's that's one of the big trends that I, I follow, uh, and it comes obviously from spending time out there.
2: Why that, that was brought by another question for you. Why do you think America's actually um sleeping on that? You know, it appears that they spend so much time um watching uh the television and formulating their own opinions and they haven't even left their backyard yet. You know, they just just see one picture, you know, because they haven't traveled. You know, that's what I'm saying. They haven't even left their backyard yet. So how do they form so many different opinions on, you know, uh, China and and Asia and some other countries? You know, it's just kind of mind-boggling if you think about that. You know, so it is great to talk to someone like yourself that's actually been there, that's um, emerged in the economy and really know what's really going on. Because I see it, too, and I understand it because I'm a – I'm a I'm a techie kind of guy, and I'm always looking at the new toys that's coming from that part of the world.
3: Yeah, and I mean, if we talk, for example, about uh, electric cars, right? So our future, come on, to the to the extent that we're going to be owning cars, uh, they're going to be electric. It's it's happening. It's happening really really fast, right? And uh, you know, the most uh, the country with the most uh, e buses like for city transport, that's China. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're investing very heavily in this next generation of vehicles. The U.S. is getting around to it, the big players like GM and Ford. Both of them have announced uh, programs of investment of over $20 billion each and transitioning to uh, e-fleets. Uh, but this comes, you know, after the lead of China, not the U.S., and actually Europe is ahead of the U.S. as well. Oh, yeah,
2: I I know that because, I mean, I've traveled in Europe, you know, many, many, you know, years ago, and that's when everybody was having cell phones, and I noticed that uh, people in Europe had free cell phones, you know, when uh, the people here in the U.S., you know, maybe uh, two out of five even had a cell phone.
1: Mm. So, you Mm. know,
2: it, it was just amazing, you know, the technology that's available in other parts of the world, but, again... If you don't leave out of your backyard, you really
3: won't know until you know. Yeah, maybe part of that is uh, – I'd be interested in your thoughts on this. Is You know, people who grew up in the States, they may have traveled a little bit or not much at all. They're on this giant economy, which for, you know, after World War II was the biggest. It was, it was the largest, most influential economy and, and country in the world, right? And so you've got this huge continent, and you can, you, can, you know, immigrate to another state you know, on this huge continent and, and, you know, work there. And uh, so it's kind of got used to the U.S. being number one at everything, right? Uh, It's kind of hard to believe that countries that not that long ago were really, really poor. Uh, You know, in the 60s, the, the lifespan of the average Asian in a developing country was not very high. And the figures on, on uh, maternal mortality child mortality hunger et cetera et cetera you know they were di- very disturbingly high and uh for a variety of reasons and, you know countries across that continent uh have motivated Tim,
2: what happened? did we lose you Bart did we lose you hello. Hello, ah, ladies and gentlemen. I think we may have a little bit of a technical difficulty here. Hopefully, uh, I guess we'll call back uh, shortly. We're talking to Bart Edis, Um about how COVID changed our lives for good, and you know, we touched a little bit on uh, some of the negative things, of course, and and that's part of reality. You know, you can't get part of that, and you have to know where you've been in order to know where you're going. Uh, and that's certainly, you know, the case here. But uh, and if you just joined the show, if you just joined the show, please, please uh, be aware that you can hear the whole show in its entirety in a few, few, few moments. Uh, Bart, are you back? Hey, Lamont. Yeah.
3: I apologize to you and our audience for checking out there. That's a little bit of tech, uh, tech difficulty. We're talking about Asia and uh, how technologically sophisticated much of that region is, well. I guess I'm not that uh, tech savvy at the moment. Sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. We understand
2: things happen and you are a long way away. So that's part of the things we're talking about, the technology and how things happen and you know, I'm one of those guys that remember, you know, two-track, player, four-track, six-track, eight-track, you know, 24, 32, 64, you know, the music industry, you know, to watch technology change, you know. And I hate one of the things that uh, kind of went away that uh, we kind of came back but not really came back, you know, and I'm looking at our, our government leaders and uh, our city congressmen and all that. They took out a lot of music programs in our schools, and we have – a lot more tech-savvy, computer-savvy students than we do musicians. So I kind of, like, hate that. And then as far as our our really senior musicians, you know, a lot of those aren't really tech-savvy. And like you mentioned earlier about how technology and the whole digital thing, uh, we're going to be seeing a lot more than that, you know. And I'm kind of sad in a way. Um, because of that, because I know a lot of people have missed uh, that learning curve, but then I'm happy in another way because we got a whole another part of the world that wasn't very computer literate. They they have to step up their game, you know, with Zoom and a lot of other ways that they communicate. So anyway, I just want to throw that little two
3: bits in there. Well, and I have to agree with you about uh, the loss of of music programs speaking more generally about art and, and cultural aspects in, in uh, schools, uh, yeah, obviously it's important to learn, you know, language and math and science and history, but what about the music? I mean, that's a part of uh, all our lives. It's, uh, yeah, so I'm with you. I have, in my family, I have uh, musicians uh, who have dabbled professionally, and so and, uh, it's, it's become harder, not easier, uh, to make a living in, in the business, I think, but you would know better than me.
2: Oh, well, like I said, it it just made them step up there, that learning curve in terms of how to, you know, do the auditions uh, virtually, play virtually, you know, and opposed to how it, you know, it used to be you can't do that. And I know a lot of people have been doing, you know, concerts that way. They've been forced to find other ways to, to continue. And that's one thing like the pandemic did, you know, it did to me it made me start looking more at that man in the mirror because we did tend to take a lot more for granted uh, before the pandemic. But, you know, when everything kind of shut down and you had a lot of time on your hands and you started trying to figure out uh, what you're going to do with that time, you know, and still be um, productive, you know, so it made you get rid of a lot of stuff and adopt, adapt to especially if you're true survivalist, you know, it made you adapt to other ways to try to continue and, and forge ahead.
3: So, Yeah, you got me thinking there, Lamont, about some other changes we may be seeing. You know, um, there was a lot of reflection going on when people weren't stressing out, and a lot of people have been stressing out about what matters, right, you know, what's important, and including uh, human beings' relationship with nature, with the environment. I mean, something was off balance right? We've got this this virus spreading uh, amongst us, right? And um, there's something off balance. uh, And and it's been the case even before the pandemic for a while. Um, You know, when you talk about extinction of species or deforestation, the pollution of the environment and the bigger challenge of of climate change. And, um, you know, as tourism begins to come back, including international tourism, and it's going to be a little while before borders are completely open and stuff, I think you're going to be finding people seeking uh, more of nature. There, there's been some anecdotal uh, you know, data on that already. Um, and uh, for those who have the means uh, to, say, uh, buy a plot of land or something outside the city, city dwellers who uh, you know, want to move to uh, you know, have a cottage or, or something in, the, in, in a more rural area, um, I know where I'm living, just as an example, um, and I'm not part of this group going off and, and, and buying a place, but I see, I see people doing it, and the prices are soaring, um, and I think it's part of this trend of, of people wanting um, to, to reconnect with nature, to get away from the kind of um, the, the rat race, um, and this is reflected in other things, too. A lot of people, like in the hospitality business, they talk about the great resignation, a lot of people quitting their jobs, they don't want to go back, or those who have the luxury of being able to work remotely, you know, digital nomads, uh, they're going off to more pleasant surroundings, maybe saving some money, uh, for example, leaving expensive Silicon Valley to live in a place where there's nature, mountains, or, or seaside that's not uh, as expensive around the, the bay. So uh, just to say that, you know, this uh, <clears throat> finding greater meaning, there's, there's some of that going on right now. Uh, and people not just wanting to accept that the way we worked, for example, and lived before was exactly the way we want to work and live um, going forward.
2: Bart, they had to slow down, take time, and smell the roses. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I guess, I I I guess, I I guess they're seeing that, you know, it, it, this thing we call life is so fleeting. And, uh, I think that's an undercurrent to a lot of that stuff too. You do want to get away. It does make you, um, Think a little smarter, you know, and how to enjoy, you know, what's left within this situation.
3: Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I you're also seeing that a little bit in the way, in the behavior of uh, of consumers. So, for example, there's uh, growing popularity of of um, meatless options. So, like, uh, you know, Beyond Meat and such. These products that are uh, not meat, but they simulate it for those who who were not vegetarian uh-huh. or vegan. Um, but some of them are thinking, yeah, well, this might be better for the environment and better for me. Um, wow. I think this uh, this pandemic, uh, you know, one of the other things that'll come out of it is um, increased attention to sustainability. And so this is this is where uh, I identify myself as, as somebody. With glass is half full. I think we've done some damage, and we're going to consider. We're going to continue to see uh, the kinds of impacts on the environment that we've been seeing, unfortunately, because of past actions. Um, and I refer to, for example, you know these these crazy record temperatures uh, in the pacific northwest the the massive flooding we've seen in germany and and Belgium that's killed nearly two hundred people uh, uh, you know a lot of bad things have happened, but there's also um, a sense that we need to make some changes and you have big big banks you have corporations making commitments about uh, you know net zero targets and and governments uh, uh, taking firmer action. The EU, for example, European Union has, has just in the last few days strengthened its standards for vehicle emissions, and, and the Biden administration in the U.S. is expected to do the same. Um, and consumers are expecting this when they, they they want to see that they're buying products from companies that are being more responsible, not just on the environment, but in the way they govern themselves and, and their approach to, to social justice and how they treat their workforce. Um, so I do see some positive trends that I think may stick with us that may end up saving us, um, you know, if it's not in in some senses too late given the damage done to the environment. Right.
2: Well, you know, uh, Bart, are those some of the things that that gives you hope for us in the the near future?
3: Yes, exactly. And I, I come back to the topic of my book, strategic foresight. So, you know, set of tools, you don't need to be, you know, uh an expert who studied this for years, we can practice this in a small company or even in our family, uh, basically just tuning into uh, how things are changing around us and, and how these big trends might interact uh, to create different kinds of futures that on the surface we may not realize are possible. So basically doing a bit of reflection and, uh, and preparing for those uh, possible futures, some not so bright, some brighter. Um, yeah. Hmm.
2: Whatever don't kill us make us stronger, that's for sure. Right. So what 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 do you have next in store for you, Bart? I know, are uh, you on a book tour? Or are you going out and spread the word? Or are you doing any um, speaking engagements?
3: Well, I'm doing a lot of uh, speaking engagements at the moment. So talking to uh, recently uh, diplomats in the Washington area where I spent some time, Washington, D.C., Uh, to to corporate officials uh, at universities, talking about foresight and also talking about uh, what we can expect in our near-term future and our longer-term future, and where people um, don't like what they hear about what may be coming. And I'm careful to, you know, preface all this with, you know, this is not written in stone. What happens in the coming weeks and months and years, not all of that is fixed. We can change it. And that's that's the empowering part if we come together and decide we want to collectively change the course of of events time and time again, we can see that's possible, but it's helpful to know where some of these big trends are interacting that could create a a world, for example, uh, that's uh, in an environmental state that's worse than today, uh, where there's greater inequality and um, disruption, uh, where there's conflict uh, between major powers with different perspectives on, on the economy and, and, and liberty and that sort of thing. So um, I, I try to, you know, I, I'm trying to highlight the tools we can use to understand where the future might go um, and while highlighting the possibilities uh, to, to take action and, and actually change our course. And let me just mention there um, that an example of that comes out of San Francisco, right? So there's a nonprofit organization um, in the Bay Area that has been looking at uh, the future of, of the Bay Area. And, uh, you know, this has become one of the most uh, technologically sophisticated parts of the world. You've got Silicon Valley and all that. And so they, they came together, you know, civic leaders, business leaders, looking at what, uh, what might the Bay Area look like in the year 2070. That's pretty ambitious, 50 years ahead. Yes. And they're asking themselves, yes. you know, looking at things like the economy, housing. I mean, you, can't, you can hardly afford to live there unless you, you know, you're making a fortune working for a, a tech company. Uh, transportation issues, you know, there's gridlock all over the place, and uh, you know, homelessness and, and major challenges, and so they are using scenarios, which are a big parts of, of foresight, to see, you know, what what are the different possibilities here, and some of them are not are not great, um, but they're using that insight, right, developed by you know, asking critical questions, bringing in a diverse group with different perspectives, and and looking at how some of these scenarios might play out, and then. Examining, okay, what do we need to do? What do we need to change as a society living in this part of North America to to create a path for the Bay Area to achieve an economically strong, socially just, and environmentally sustainable future? And I'd really leave you with that thought, you know, and and, and, and highlight that that's something a message I'm taking to different audiences is, you know, we have it in our power. There are these tools. Let's let's uh, invest energy into. Uh, Reflection on on different possible scenarios coming about through uh, different forces interacting And then uh, seize the scenario that we want and work hard uh, to achieving that together
2: Very well said my friend Very well said I couldn't have said it better myself (laughs) Very well said So Bart, tell everybody how they can get in contact with you, how they can get
3: a copy of your book, and all that great information. Sure. Uh, if you type in my name, that's uh, Bart, and the last name spelled dash, which is no, no way you'd know that unless you were Hungarian. So type in Bart, learning from tomorrow. Uh, do that in Amazon.com or, or visit your local bookstore, which hopefully is reopened, uh, and you'll find the book there. Uh, and uh, as far as reaching me, uh, for those of you who are on Twitter, and if you're not, maybe you want to be, it's a good place to track trends in areas that interest you, uh, whether it be music or environment or something else. Um, Go on Twitter and look up at Big Trends Guy. Big Trends Guy. All together, one word, and that's where I'm at, and you can reach me there, and I'd love to hear your ideas about the future and how we can together formulate a, a more um, livable sustainable uh, and inclusive one
2: Bart I had asked uh, Mr. Tim Ward a question uh, in regards to uh, his book so I'm going to put that one out there to you as well uh, do you have or do you have any thoughts of uh, doing an audio book
3: at the moment no Uh Variety of logistical reasons and the timing of the book, uh, which focused a lot on the the crisis we're in presently. So, for example, it has some short term scenarios, and I could it, I understand the value. A lot of people are using audiobooks, and let me just say that for the next book when that comes, I could see easily weaving into that um, distribution plan an audiobook. So, but in this case, now it's just the e-books um, or uh, you know hard copy.
2: Right. Okay, I'm just thought I would ask, you know, for those people out there that's uh on such a, such a, such a busy schedule they don't have time to read so they can listen to it. Sure. But I understand. Yeah. I definitely understand. Yeah. Sure. Well Bart, yeah. I definitely enjoyed, you know, the time we had spending. I wanna open the door and, and definitely leave it open for you to come back and join us at any any time. Uh, we definitely wanna stay abreast of what's going on for those people, uh I actually have the eyes wide open that's paying attention, you know, to the world. And hopefully those are asleep woke up during the show and some of the things that you offered uh, penetrated and gave us some food for thought moving forward. So definitely, man, anytime, anytime, come back through. We'd love to have you. And uh, I'm going to read your book as well so I can be a little bit brighter and a little bit more intelligent on some of the subjects and some of the things that you spoke on, on the show today.
3: Lamont, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity for joining your program, which has been doing a fantastic public service and bringing new voices, uh, stimulating thinkers and authors, uh, uh, making their their thoughts available to a wider audience. I urge you to keep it up, and I will do my small part in helping to promote awareness of the program. So thanks so much.
2: And thank you so much as well, Bart. And I want to give a shout-out, to to uh, Mr. Tim Ward for making everything possible and doing all the great things that he's doing. So with that being said, we'll see you guys next week, same time. And uh, if you missed part of the show, it will be available worldwide in the next two minutes. And if you have problems um, getting the show, and, you know, like I always say, ask your mama, ask your daddy, ask your neighbor across the street to ask them at the gas station, Corner supermarket. Somebody will tell you where you could hear the show, so you have no excuse. And if all that fails, you can contact the office here at three two three nine five seven seven three two two. Because we don't want you to miss this. And thanks so much for joining us. And go check out White Edis. Got good stuff going on. All right. See you guys next week,
0: same time, two thirty PST. Yeah. Yeah, old school. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, this ain't for everybody. some of y'all need to hear it. I know you in the trenches fighting, but check it out. I'm gonna put it down like this so I can help the saints so understand. Everything you're going through is all part of the master plan. Or what? You thought because you got saved, everything was gonna be peaches and cream? You better wake up, son. Don't nothing come to a sleeper but a dream. Faith without words is there. Read your Bible. You know what it says. Who don't work, don't eat, Blackers don't get fed. Huh, yeah, Jesus said, he who puts his hands to the plow looks back, the slate makes fit. Some of y'all ain't been in the kitchen five minutes and you about ready to quit. I ain't mad at ya, I'm just hitting you with the real. Huh. If you die for me I was still tripping. now how you think that make you feel? Check this out, deep game. this is his deep. Huh. Some of y'all ain't sawin' nothing but your study trying to reach. Huh. But after him who was able to position, fall by his glory. Struggles might be part of your testimony, but it ain't the end of the story. Now the point is his was prophesied way back in the day. Why, send in the right here and see if the church can relate. Oh, I know we can make oh, it. Oh, we can make
1: it. I know good I yes can work it out. Yes, he'll work it out. Work it out. Yeah. He'll work it out. I know we can
0: make it. We can make it. I know good I can work it out. Yes he, yes, yes, we can. He can. yes, he can. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Yeah. Thinking that slaves are fiery prophets of the tribe you? You say, why you? Say, what would Jesus do? Why are you asking if he ain't trying to do what he's saying? Huh? He told you he was going to have tribulations, but you thought he was playing. Huh? One minute you tell her how good God is and can't nobody beat to talk. The next minute you're back so fast, i like you're moonwalking. Huh? Oh yeah, I'm bitching to myself because I ain't no better. It ain't like I've been following his every word, obeying it to the letter. But so we told us we got to remember that. Regroup, stay on point. Hey, yeah, bow down, confess, repent, stay humble, let him anoint. Huh? It ain't easy as I thought it was. I'd be lying if I told you that. But it's showing up getting better all the time. Trust me, that's the fact. Ain't nothing we going through that can't be handled. God put that on this tongue. Like they say, you can shout now if you want to, because the battle's already won. So while you're going through the battle, don't even trip. You're going to be on top. Quiet, set the hook line one more again. and you don't stop. I know we can